welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Jared Neiman, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. Cool. Starting a new series tonight. How many of you were here during the Missing Peace series? All right. Look at all y'all. That's awesome. Good. So this is the continuation. Starting it. It's a great series. But let me ask you a question. What's the mood of your life? What's the mood? What's the temperature in your heart and in your mind? What's the spirit of which you're living your life? You know, there's a story in in the Gospels of a woman that broke a bottle of perfume over Jesus. And uh, it said that it sent an aroma throughout the house. What's the aroma of your life? What is it? What mood are you in? What's the, the attitude that's in your soul, in your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? What are you speaking about? What are you thinking about? Are you happy? Are you mad? Are you full of faith? Are you upset? Let's look at some scriptures. Philippians chapter 4 out of the Message Bible. We're going to put them up on the screen. <clears throat> it says, don't fret or worry. There it is. Instead of worrying, pray. Let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. The title for this series is called Unsettled. Are you living unsettled? Or are you settled down? Tonight, we're gonna, the title is Unsettled, Not Content. <clears throat> it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Many of you know that in the King James Version, that scripture says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Are you living your life with a sense of wholeness, with a sense of satisfaction, with fulfillment in your heart and mind? Or is there an emptiness? Or is there discontent in your life? Philippians 4, verse 10 through 14, we're going to put that on the screens as well. It says, I have learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. Now, isn't that interesting? Just leave the scripture up there for a second, guys. Personally, I've learned. So being content is not something that necessarily comes naturally. It says that, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, that he learned to be content. So he had to learn to be content. Whatever his circumstances, I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little, I have found the recipe. Oh, so there's a recipe. There's a formula for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Next slide. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything. Here's the recipe. In the one. In the one who makes me who I am. 
It is the one Jesus Christ who makes you who you are, not your circumstance. Paul said, I can make it through anything. In the New King James, he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Whether his hands are empty, whether his hands are full. In the King James, it says whether he is abased or abounding. Whether he's abased at the bottom or he's abounding, he's at the tops. Whether, whether he's full or empty. I can make it through anything, he said. It, my circumstance doesn't define who I am. Jesus Christ, the one, defines who I am. And because Jesus defines who I am, I have found the recipe. Did you see it? I found the recipe to being happy. And because I found the recipe, and the recipe is finding wholeness in Jesus Christ, I can live my life being content. And that contentness, contentness, right, comes and settles me down. Isn't that something? You know, so many people live discontent. They're just discontent. Not happy at work. They're not happy at home. They're not happy on the freeway. <laughs> They're not happy with the government. They're not happy no matter what. They're just discontent. So it begs the question, are you? What's the mood of your life? Where are you finding satisfaction? Is your satisfaction being found in things, in circumstances, or is it being found in Jesus? You might be thinking, well, if I had more money, I'd be at peace. Really? Because money solves that? Have you paid attention to the stuff going on in Hollywood lately? They've got more money than all of us. Is there happiness going on? There's more discontent there than we've all got combined. Right? Let me tell you this. Discontent is completely opposed to God's work in your life. And it comes to rob you of the fulfillment of his peace coming into your life. His tranquility his health, his welfare, his prosperity, his living with a sense of favor. Discontent comes to rob you of your peace. Amen? So what does it mean to be content? To be content literally means to have peace of mind and to have emotional or mental satisfaction. To have peace of mind and to have emotional and mental satisfaction. So the peace of mind produces satisfaction in your emotions and in your mind. What does it mean to be settled? See, being content and being settled are totally different. To be settled literally means this, to adopt an, order, an orderly or routine way of life. To adopt an orderly or routine way of life. 
I wrote down here, we'll never live content unless we know how to allow the Lord to properly settle us down with certain things on the inside of us. So you have to understand that discontent is poverty to your soul. And it produces hopelessness, anger, bitterness. It ultimately comes to stagnate your life, to rob you of your passion, to rob you of your, of your, of your expectation, and to then rob you of your faith. It is poverty, it is pollution to your life. And discontent, you will see tonight and going forward, will destroy your relationships, it will destroy uh, uh, your attitude and spirit in your life, and it will only produce the antithesis of what God wants to produce in your life. Philippians 4 verse 7, it says, And the peace of God will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. At that point of realization is the point that you are living content. I told you that to settle means to adopt a routine way of life. You wanna know the second definition? It also means to accept less than what was desired, planned, or expected. So one definition is good, to adopt an orderly or routine way of life. You know, there's a lot of routines that are really good for your life. You know, a routine of waking up every morning and spending a few minutes with the Lord is a great routine to have. A routine of complimenting your spouse and encouraging them before they go to work is a great routine to have in your life. A routine of getting some exercise and eating healthy is a great routine to have in your life. Routine builds consistency into your life. But you know, there's a bad type of settling. And that is to accept less than what was desired, planned, or expected. So there is a certain type of settling that you need to have, but there's also an area of your life you need to unsettle. See, you need to settle in your heart and mind who you are as a child of God. See, so many people live discontent because they are still hanging on to things from their past, hanging on to foolishness, hanging on to sin, and they have not settled who they are as a child of God. So many people live discontent because they're living in doubt, in fear and anxiety because they have not settled their faith in Jesus Christ. They have not settled that if God said something about their life, then that's who they are. Then that's the victory they're gonna achieve. If God says you're gonna be blessed, then you're blessed. If God said you are favored, then his favor is with you. So many people live discontent because they have not settled who they are as a child of God. See, there's a great type of settling in your life. But then there's also some things you need to unsettle. You need to unsettle the acceptance of mediocrity. You need to unsettle that. You need to be unsettled about accepting anything less than the fullness of God's promises in your life. 
You know, you can settle in relationships. Some of y'all single people, don't settle. If he ain't got a job, I don't care how cute he is. Run, baby, run. If he don't love Jesus, run. Run, break up with him tonight. But don't tell him I said so, you know. If he don't get along with your parents, run. Unless your parents are crazy. Give him some benefit of the doubt. Amen. Don't settle. Oh, well, he loves Jesus. Yeah, but he gets fired from all his jobs. There's other dudes that love Jesus that go to work and get the job done. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't settle. Let me tell you what else you need to not settle for. Anxiety, depression, hatred, racism, bitterness, hopelessness. What's the mood of your life? Negativity? You need to be unsettled. You cannot let that stuff become a routine in your heart and mind. Amen. 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 You need to get unsettled. I told you God only wants the best for your life. And no matter what stage of life you're in, you need to be content. But you also need to be unsettled towards anything that is less than God's best. When you live content that Christ is enough, you will always be unsettled for anything less than what Jesus says about your life. Amen? See, God wants you to always be living a life of victory, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of strength. God wants you to be living a life moving forward. The Apostle Paul said, I, ha I haven't learned everything, but this one thing I know, I forget those things which are behind me and I press forward, he said, to the high calling, to the high calling. And what has God called you to? God has called you to a life of peace, a life of tranquility, a life of health, of welfare, of prosperity, a life of good things. A life of grace, a life of favor, a life of empowerment. God says that you have victory through your faith. And Paul said, forget the past and press on toward the high calling. And so many people are discontent because of what happened in the past. Can we just sidebar here for a moment? And can I tell you, you are not who you used to be. You are a born-again child of the Most High God. You are redeemed, delivered, and set free. But at what point are you going to stop tearing yourself up over what happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago? When is it going to stop? You are forgiven. It's been washed away by the blood of Jesus. So when are you going to let his restoration come into your heart to allow you to be content 
and not be defined by what used to be. Paul said, forget about what happened. Forget about it. Good, bad, ugly. Forget about it. Let it go. And press on towards what Jesus has called you to be. Press on toward what he has said about your life. But when are you going to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and say, no more. No more. I'm not a failure. I'm not a loser. I used to be. I used to be depressed. I won't be depressed anymore. I used to be a jerk. I won't be a jerk anymore. I used to be negative. I'm not going to be that way anymore. Yeah, I got divorced. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was ugly. But that's not going to ruin the rest of my relationships. You know, in Isaiah, in Isaiah it said, forget those things which are behind you, for God wants to do a new thing in your life. New things. God's into new things. New joy, new strength, new favor, new peace, new strength. New deliverance, new restoration, new relationships, new wisdom, new ideas, new creativity. God's into new things. But you won't see the new things if you're always looking at the past. Amen. You got to forget that stuff and learn to be content. Amen. Don't resign. Listen, there's so much power in being content. But listen, there's also power in being unsettled. Sometimes in life, you stay content, but you also understand that you serve the God who has more planned for you. Amen? Amen? You know, I'm extremely content with where our church is at right now. It's amazing. But you know, there's still empty seats. You, You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm completely content. I mean, those numbers we talked about, that's amazing. It's amazing what God's doing. It was amazing during praise and worship to see all y'all. But there's more. There's more campuses to open. There's more places to build. There's more people to reach. So I'm content, but you know what else I am? Unsettled. And there's power in that. There's power in being content even when your hand is empty, but also being unsettled, knowing that God doesn't want your hand to be empty. Amen? Let me prove it to you. Jeremiah 29, 11. What did he say? For I know the plans I have of you, plans of peace to give you a hope and a future. You know, my dad taught on this a while back. He spoke that to the nation of Israel while they were in captivity. So they were in captivity. Would you say that their hands were empty? Yeah. Were they abased? Yes. They were literally in captivity. But you know what he tells them to do? In verse 5, he says, live as if you will increase. Verse 8, he says, don't believe the false report. Verse 10, he says, I will perform my good word for you. He goes on to tell them, get married, have kids, plant farms. You know what he's telling them? That even when you're abased, press on, build your life, reject negativity, bear fruit. You have a future. I will deliver you. I will set you free. There is more for you that even in the worst of situations, 
Keep serving me. Keep seeking me. Don't allow the situation to define who you are and what you're going to do. Allow my word to define what is in your heart and mind. And my word will bring you peace. And my peace will bring you tranquility, favor, empowerment, health, welfare, and good things. My peace will bring you blessing. But don't be defined by what's going on around you. Whether your hand is full or whether your hand is empty. Amen? You know, I remember uh, I worked here for, for 11 years before I ever preached. And I will tell you with all honesty, if Jesus was standing here, I could look him in the face and tell, tell, him, tell you all, I was completely content having never preached. Now, I knew at some point it would happen. I didn't ever think it would happen under the circumstances that it happened, obviously. But I was just completely content serving my parents, serving the church, loving on you all, praying with you all. You know, I would go stand out in the lobby and, you know, just hang out out there. I'd walk around and make sure everything was good. You know, I kind of miss that. You know, I used to go stand out there at every service. I don't do that anymore. But, uh, I, but I, I'll tell you, I was, I was completely content, even though I knew that someday there would be more. Amen? But I could have allowed myself to become discontent. Amen? And that is where you find contentment in the one, not in the what. Amen? That's why Paul said, I can get through anything. I can do all things through Jesus. Doesn't matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, who I'm around. I find my satisfaction in doing it with him. Now, let me tell you this. True contentment comes out of why you're doing it and who you're doing things for. See, Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first his righteousness and the advancement of his kingdom. So I ask you this question. What are you doing with your life and who are you doing it for? See, when you take on the responsibility that I'm here as a man, woman, parent, uncle, friend, employee, employer, whatever your role or roles are in life, that whether you're rich, middle class, you may be broke, whether you're single, married, whatever you are, your hands are full, your hands are empty, or somewhere in between. When you accept that you are here with one purpose and calling, and that is to seek Jesus, you will always be content because it brings purpose to everything you're doing. And no matter what season you're in, in your life, there is purpose to it. And that purpose is to glorify God, to honor God, to show the people around you the love of God, the righteousness of God, what is right about him, to show them the grace of God, to tell people and be, uh, or to tell people about what he has done in your life, to be what the Bible calls the light of the world and the salt of the earth. But when 
you are doing it not for Jesus, but you are doing it for selfishness or self-righteousness, you can become discontent. Amen? Because your peace, your satisfaction is found in things and not in him. Amen? I remember uh, I went to the Dominican Republic one time years ago on our missions trip. And uh, I mean, there is poverty there like you just can't imagine. And we went to, I guess what you would call a slum. I don't know what they call it, but it was this hill where all these people lived and there was a river that flowed through it. And um, in the river is where they drank, they bathed, and they kept their food. So there was pigs in the river. Because, so think about, they drank the water that the pigs lived in. That's the level that they were at. And then I remember a school bus pulled up and dropped off a bunch of kids. Do you remember this? My dad was with me. And those kids were running around, playing, joking, laughing, so happy. So happy. Acting just like five and six-year-olds act. You want to know why? They didn't know there was anything to be discontent about. Because they hadn't been jaded by the negativity of the world. To be told that you are to find your satisfaction in things. They were just happy being alive and the school was over. And you know, school being over can bring you a lot of happiness. You know, like <laughs> most people think the happiest day of my life was the day I got married. No, it was the day I graduated college. That was the, I'm just kidding, don't tell Carla. <laughs> Let me show you the dangers of being discontent. We're gonna put them on the screens. Number one, the fruit of discontent, number one, is contention. The fruit of being discontent produces contention in your life. To be content is to be satisfied. To be discontent is to be unsatisfied. And being unsatisfied produces contention. Anger, bitterness, frustration. Amen? Contentness produces satisfaction, wholeness, joy, peace, and happiness. It's amazing how many people have so much contention in their lives. They're banging on the steering wheel on the freeway, and what good is that doing you? All it's doing is raising your blood pressure and teaching your kid to act like a maniac? Did that make traffic go any further, any faster? No. Did the guy who cut you off turn around and say sorry? No. So many people go to work angry before they even get to work. So many people come home angry before they walk into the garage. And here's what's messed up about society. Most of the time, our discontent is not with something going on around us. It is coming from something going on inside of us. But we then project our discontent 
into the things with our lives and it produces more discontent, more fights, more arguing, and then it lets you justify your discontent. But the truth is, there's something going on on the inside of you that you haven't settled in your heart. You have allowed the wrong things to be unsettled. And you haven't let the peace of God come settle you down. And it is producing contention in your life. Look what Titus 3 verse 9 says. It says, avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, and contentions about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. You know how much happier your life would be if you would just start, stop fighting fights that have no profit in your life? What about your fights in your marriage? You know, so many times we get in arguments in our marriage about stuff that makes no difference in our lives. Makes no difference. Three days later, we're still fighting. We can't even remember why we started. <laughs> it's all just from our discontent. Getting fights with people on social media about politics. Some dude whose Facebook profile is an ex and you're arguing with him. What? And then you're sitting in your house and then you get in a fight with your kids because you're all worked up about some dude on Facebook. What? <laughs> Avoid foolish disputes and contentions. Avoid them. So many of our stresses, our worries, our discontent is all just useless, worthless stuff. Who cares what restaurant you eat at tonight? Who cares? Why don't you just be happy you can pay people to make you food? God's blessed you that much that you can pay someone four bucks to, for a coffee. Like, we're gonna fight about that on the way home. You know what I mean? Come on. Number two, the fruit of dis being discontent is uselessness. It's uselessness, discontent, discontent, not being satisfied produces a sense of uselessness. Oh, what's the use? What's the use anyway? What's the use? Why even bother? What's the point of even trying? Why bother? You know what uselessness does? It produces hopelessness. Hopelessness is a positive expectation. Uselessness has no expectation. You know what hopelessness produces? Defeat. Why? Because faith is your victory, but faith needs hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Where there is no hope, there's no faith. Where there is no faith, there's no victory. And it all starts with being discontent. Having a sense of uselessness. Oh, why bother? Why bother? What's the point? Why bother? Why bother? Amen? Uselessness is the opposite of being useful. Usefulness. You need to determine that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that you're doing it for God and for his glory. Amen. Ephesians 3 verse 19. We're going to put it up on the screens. It says, to know the love of Christ which, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled 
with all the fullness of God. Where does fullness come from? God. From the love of God. And then look what it produces in verse 20. It says, for God is the, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever you may ask or think according to the power that works within us. And it starts with being found useful in your spirit because of Jesus Christ. But if you have a sense of uselessness, you won't try. You won't move forward. You will stagnate. You will live defeated and it will produce bitterness, anger, frustration, hopelessness, your life will completely stagnate and stop while everybody else moves forward. Right? So it produces uselessness. Number three, discontent produces covetousness. And boy, is covetousness a nasty way to live. I mean, it's just ugly. It's ugly. Covetousness and all his cousins. Jealousy, Envy, bitterness, hatred, all the cousins, right? They hang out together on Friday nights. Covetousness is an ugly way to live. You know what covetousness says? I want what he has, but I want him to lose it so I can have it. Right? I'm angry that you have that. So I want bad to happen to you so good will happen to me. See, the Bible says, though, that we as Christians are to rejoice when others rejoice and weep when others weep. Covetous makes you weep when others rejoice and rejoice when others weep. And church, that is not of God. Not even close. People who are more successful than you, when your hands are empty and their hands are full, you should be inspired by them. You should want to learn from them. You should be asking, what did you do? Where did you go? What idea did you have that got your hands full? Why is your marriage so successful and mine is not? What are you doing that we are not doing? What'd you do in your business that got all those customers? I have the same type of business and I'm on the brink of going, of going out of business, but you're flourishing. What'd you do? But see, covetousness gets angry about it. They despise it. They want others to fail. Covetousness would be as if I said, Lord, fill our church, but do it by emptying the other churches. That's not the way of God. That's not the way of God. I don't pray for Vino Nuevo to be empty. I pray for Vino Nuevo to be full. I pray for harvest to be full, for destiny to be full, for life-centered to be full, the same way I pray for abundant living to be full. There are more than enough people to fill all the churches and more. We don't need to rob them. There's more than enough of God's blessing for him to bless your life and your neighbor's life. Amen? Amen? Hebrews 13, verse 5, it says, let, let your conduct be without covetousness for, to be content with the things that you have. Number four, 
Covet, or <laughs> covetousness. Discontent leads to abuse and excess. People abuse themselves when they're discontent. Why? Because they believe that being content comes from things. You've seen it. You've seen the rock stars. They have all the money in the world. Right? And they, you find out later that they're depressed. They're abusing the people around them. They're abusing alcohol, drugs. Money isn't going to make you happy. Alcohol's not going to make you happy. Drugs aren't going to make you happy. Your happiness and strength is found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. But people abuse when they are discontent. They go into excess when they are discontent. Because they are always thinking more, more, more. More will make me happy. More will make me happy. More will make me happy. People binge eat when they are unhappy, when they are discontent. We binge drink because we are discontent. And it only produces more discontent because the more you do it, it produces more problems. Right? We attack the people around us and abuse them because of our discontent. It doesn't produce what God wants to have in your life. Let me tell you what produces satisfaction. Matthew 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. Those who have a hunger and a thirst for what is right about God. Seek ye the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Seek ye first the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not for food, not for alcohol, not for money, not for drugs, not for sex. You can have all that in the world and still be living in darkness. But when you switch your thirst and your hunger for Jesus Christ, satisfaction will come. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, one more scripture. It says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Stand to your feet. We off to a good start. So next week, it is contentment not satisfied. The next week is contentment not lacking. <clears throat> They're really good teachings. I hope you come back. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, allow your peace to come into our lives. Allow your wholeness to come and to settle us down in the right areas. And to unsettle us about accepting or resigning to anything less than the fullness of your promises manifesting in our hearts and minds. We will not live mediocre. We will not stagnate. We will not be hopeless. We will not be discontent. We will not live bitter or angry. We will not live covetous. We will not abuse. We will not live in excess. Father, 
If there is an area of our lives that we need to change, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit will convict our hearts and minds. Speak to us tonight as we leave this building and give us the strength, the courage, and the wisdom to make the changes we need to make. If there is forgiveness that needs to be given or received, I believe it will happen tonight. Father, we put our past behind us. We will not be defined by who we once were, but we will be defined by what you say about our lives. And you say that we are strong. You say that we are victorious. You say we are more than conquerors. You say that we are the head. You say that we are above. You say we are blessed. You say we are forgiven. You say we are set free. So if you say it about us, then we say that we receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.